You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. Well, uh, this morning um, we did have a, a speaker planned to uh, come and uh, be sharing with us, but um, yeah, this week he, he let us know that there were some heart issues that he had um, and wasn't able to come, so there was a bit of a, oh, what do we do now? Who do we invite? What, what, uh, and so we thought and prayed and uh, went and approached a few people and, and uh, people were out of um, Melbourne and, and couldn't come and so there was some more prayer and, and thought and, and seeking God and, and it just became clear and apparent that it would be a great time to uh, testify, to have uh, some people from our midst come forward and just testify to the Lord's work. Um, and you know, I don't know if you do this, but I went to my closet this morning, I, I opened the closet door and I thought, what should I wear? And I saw the shirt that I have on, I'm like, that's the one. And I, I'll tell you why, this shirt, I got it from Ghana in Africa and uh, I chose it because we're going to be hearing some testimonies today and uh, while I was in Africa, in Ghana, the Lord used several occasions uh, during my time there um, to really be at work in my life and uh, we're going to be hearing from others how the Lord has been at work in and through them and around them. Um, so, yeah, um, and uh, I just wanted to share as well, we've had uh, the staff retreat and, and while we were there, we are also having some time of testimony and uh, someone was sharing it and I was just sitting there and this testimony was going on, you know, they were just testifying to something the Lord had done and it was, it was probably a good half hour, 45 minutes, we were sitting there just listening to this story and I was captivated. I was thinking, wow, this is amazing. And I came away, you know, just after being so engrossed at what God had done and thinking about the people who had been involved and what had happened and I just thought, wow, I've really been taught. I've really learned something from, from this story. I've taken away something and I want to do something different in my life now because of what they said. And they weren't even trying to do that. They were just sharing. And uh, yeah, so as uh, uh, the people come forward to share what God has been doing, I just encourage you just to listen and reflect and to, if you feel the Holy Spirit sensing you, yeah, just allow yourself to be taught through the stories of God at work. Um, and what I'm going to do is, um, after um, each person's come and, and, and shared uh, what the Lord has laid on their heart to share, I'm going to open it up after each testimony. And if you feel like the Lord has really touched you or spoken to you, um, and you'd like to pray in response, then I'm going to ask one person after each testimony just to pray and thank God for what they've heard or for what they've learnt or, um, yeah, to pray um, to see something happen or take place in the life of the church or their own life. So... Yeah, if you feel that's you after the testimony, you feel you've got a bit of burning, then uh, I'll ask um, and feel free to pray then. Um, but what I'll do now is I'll just uh, commit the time to prayer and the people who are going to be sharing and then I'll invite them up. Mm. Heavenly Father, your scripture says that you are always at work and you have prepared good works in advance for us to do and you say that we're your fellow workers, Lord. And Lord, we're about to hear from different people the stories of your work, Lord, of, of um, you making yourself manifest, of you um, displaying your glory, your power, your might, your acts of mercy and forgiveness, Father. And we look forward to hearing, to being encouraged and built up. Lord, we, we don't know what, you are, or what you're wanting to do or how you're wanting to use these uh, stories of your hand that work, but we pray that we would um, just have open ears and uh, really ask for those who are testifying, Father, to what they have seen and witnessed and heard, that um, you would um, just give them a real sensitivity to your Holy Spirit and a leading by your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, um, I thought I'd choose from a couple of experiences I've had in the hospital where I work, at Broadmeadows Hospital, uh, part of Northern Health. And my role there is a pastoral carer uh, in a palliative care unit. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real privilege. I've been there about, uh, in that one, eight years now and uh, five years in, in uh, under-extended care before that. But in the last fortnight, there's been two times where uh, there's been, been a God moment. And both have involved Jesus. I'll talk about the first one. I'm not sure if I'll have time to go in the second one. But uh, I'd walked into this ward on, uh, about a fortnight ago and uh, there's a woman in her 40s there, uh, 
we'll call her Angel for privacy. Uh, and I walked up and I explained who I was and she said, uh, oh, I've been expecting you. <laughs> and she had a, a smile on her face and it's always great to be, uh, have that good press in advance. It's a real encouragement. So the other staff had obviously spoken well of me, which, which was helpful. And so she was expecting me and wanted me to be there. So I came and I listened. I tend to relive my experiences, so bear with me. And uh, she'd had a really tough childhood. Uh, her, her father had left very early in, in the piece. Her mother was an alcoholic, uh, in and out of prison. Uh, she became a bedwetter, and every time she did that, she would, she would cough it. Uh, there'd also be a psychological aspect to it. Uh, the mother would walk up and down the corridor sometimes, just, just waiting for the right moment. And so she grew up with this. Uh, she'll be forced to, to wear the wet clothes under her school clothes. Uh, and go to school, of course she stank. And uh, in the classroom, in the playground. Uh, she'd try and get out of the clothes on the way to school and uh, hide them somewhere. Uh, she also had a sister later on who got married, uh, as she did too, with two boys, and as they grew up, the sister was into drugs and her husband was a, a dealer, but not a husband, a partner. And uh, she would be asked to look after their kids while they had a night on the town. She had her own two kids. And, uh, and yet her kids weren't into drugs. Uh, uh, tried to create a loving family, tried to learn from her own experiences that uh, there's a better way. And, uh, and I was listening to all this and, and then she said, but I have, I'm receiving radiation treatment now and the, uh, there was a, a social worker who was trying to insist upon her to... No, sorry, wasn't a social worker, I take that back. A uh, person from Human Services was trying to insist upon her uh, that she should look after her, her sister's kids again, even though she was now with cancer, trying to deal with that and with her own family. And that the, her sister's partner was really angry and threatening her that why isn't she looking after their kids again so they can do whatever they wanted to do a big ask <laughs> so so as I was listening to all of this and just looking at her she had a beautiful spirit really quiet happy at times and wondering how I said, where do you draw your strength from? Where do you draw your life from? And uh, she said, well, I love art. I'm into artistry. I love colour. And she was actually, she had beside her this, this booklet with all the wonderful colours and uh, she had some on the wall and she'd been giving some to the other patient in her room. And uh, I said, oh, that, that's just great. That's just great. She had a big box of pencils and paints. And, uh, and she said, I also draw from angels. I said, right. So where do you go with that as a Christian? A woman who's had such a lousy childhood and yet has such a beautiful spirit and she's drawing from angels. So do you condemn that? No, you don't. But what do you do that honours God as well as the woman? So I was able to say, look, uh, that's great. I, I said, look, I was going to Mind Body Spirit Festivals for 10 years 
I went to a number of angel stands there. This is when I had a ministry uh, as a Christian ministry. We were we called ourselves followers of Jesus, or friends of Jesus, and we were at the Mind Body Spirit festivals amongst all about hundred other alternate spiritualities and uh, and we would go and visit the, the different stalls and uh, just see what they drew from uh, in their life and what their journey was for their spiritual dimension and uh, you'd be surprised how you have things in common with other people even though it may not be Christian. I remember visiting a Wiccan stall and uh, the first five things we discussed we all agreed with. You know, there was the respect for the environment, respect for respect for other people. There was about first five things that we agreed on, but then there was something that we didn't, and there were you know, some pretty major things. So our attitude when we went to these festivals was, what do we have in common and where is God in that situation? Because God's already there. You just have to find what that is and create a bridge somehow. So with this woman, she was into angels. I said, yeah, look, I used to visit the angel stalls and, and uh, I said, we had great conversations. Uh, they were obviously feeling comfort and direction from these things and I said, you're aware that they're messengers of God. He goes, yes, I've, I've heard that, I believe that. I said, yes. I said, we often uh, would invite them for prayer to say, well, why don't you consider going to the creator of these angels? Why don't you go to the top and... Uh, go to the very source of their wisdom uh, and uh, she, she, she liked the sound of that and uh, I said, that's good. I said, look, are you open to prayer at all? And uh, she said, yes. And I said, I tend to pray to Jesus. She goes, I like Jesus. I like Jesus. <laughs> I said, good, good. <laughs> I said, where did you hear about Jesus? And she said, well, uh, my mother... Uh, we used to go to a church where there was a, a born-again group and I used to love the singing and I used to love seeing healing occasionally and uh, used to love the joyfulness. But then I'd get home. And I'd get belted pil- pil- again. It, it just didn't fit. There was something wrong about this God. Uh, surely there was something else and it was from that that I think the angels things came she was looking for something that wouldn't hit her and belt her and the rest I said okay I said well it's good that you like Jesus because I said certainly when I was in the festivals and everywhere else uh, Jesus' name was, was, was good okay many people didn't appreciate the church uh, but Jesus' name was pretty solid. And, and, uh, so I said, why don't we pray to Jesus? And she said, yes, we'll do that. So we prayed for Jesus' peace to come into her life and, and for comfort and for someone that she could truly trust. And we finished that prayer. And I just left it at that. I came the next day and she was feeling really good, lifted in spirit. And uh, a relationship had been formed. So then she opened up some more and said, I just feel this incredible sense of shame from the bedwetting. I said, you feel shame for that? Why? You, you, you're a child. You had a mum that wasn't behaving as a mum should and you feel shame. I said, well, you don't have to keep that. Why don't we take that again to Jesus? Why don't we pray for him to remove that shame? And she said, yes, yes, we'll do that. So we prayed about that. And we also prayed that within her home life, one of her sons, who was a bit more sensitive than the other one, would help her around the house uh, and uh, honour the personality that he had, which was similar to hers, and, and, uh, and 
yeah, just so any 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 home life would be helpful to her. And again, the next day I came and she was really lifted this time. In fact, she was so happy she was going to draw upon her artistic talents. Uh, she'd been a landscape designer and she was going to redesign the garden at the palliative care unit. Uh, and she knew someone in the living room uh, and she was, she'd sent off a letter to them to help with the funding and she'd also uh, was going to outlay 100 bucks and we would outlay 100 bucks too and uh, do the other garden that we've got, uh, put in new plants so that in four weeks' time they'd all be blooming in the, in the spring for the other patients. Just, 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 just amazing stuff. And uh, she was just so happy and alive. And uh, she felt totally free from any shame and guilt from a child. And uh, anyway, uh, so I really affirmed what she was doing for the other patients uh, and for the staff and everything else. And, uh, and we gave praise to Jesus again for being able to free her from these burdens. And, uh, and then uh, two days later, uh, she was uh, discharged uh, home which was fantastic. I mean, within palliative care unit, 80% will die. Only 20% get to go out either to a nursing home or home with help or a family member. But she was one of the 20%. And she's in a new place. Uh, and she actually came back this week uh, to show photos of different staff and patients and... Uh, uh, just to offer a word of encouragement to all of us for what we're doing. So, yeah. Well, good morning. And uh, for those of you that don't know Ruth and I, um, I'm Ken and my wife Ruth Freeman and we've been here for just a year this weekend. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we feel very blessed to have been here and um, we've had our lives linked with the pastoral team and our home group and many other individuals like Ross and Heather and others who uh, have just enriched our lives. And so this last year for us has been <coughs> quite a journey and I'd like to say that we're not the same people. If you knew us when we arrived, we're not the same people because Ross was talking about transformation. God's been doing some transformation in us over this um, past 12 months. But before I talk about that, and God gave me a word in the night to share, I just want to bring greetings from um, Rob and Ricky Fisher. We've been very blessed to have uh, stayed at their lovely uh, resort <laughs> uh, in Nimbin. And I just want to say, don't think of Nimbin negatively. Um, Jade uh, said, lift up your... God's response from Hab to Habakkuk was, lift up your eyes and see... Um, I'm doing a good thing in your day. And that's what God's doing in Nimbin. He's doing some new things that um, you can sit here and think of Nimbin as the drug capital, but let me tell you, the Holy Spirit's on the move. Um, we went to a little uh, uniting church last Sunday and I thought, oh yeah, ho-hum, this will just be a few faithful people meeting together and good old Rob and Ricky when they're at home, they go, so we should be there. Um, <clears throat> let me tell you, it was a place that was just alive with the Holy Spirit. A great big banner on the wall saying, Holy Spirit, come. And talking to them afterwards, they say, we are sensing God's on the move um, and we're seeing change and we're just praying that the aroma of Jesus will sweep right through this this town. It is a very beautiful place and um, the whole of creation speaks out so clearly of Jesus. It is just a place where you can sit and soak in his presence and I'll talk about that just in a sec. But I just want to say too, there's, there's hippie Christians in, in Nimbin and, uh, and uh, on one of the walls, it's a very picturesque place with lots of paint on buildings and so on. You would have seen Rob and Ricky's uh, video but at one stage, it has just recently been painted over, but they speak out and it, there was a banner there that said, 
the truth will set you free. And uh, people are praying. People are praying that God will set that place free and set them on fire. And there are other people coming who are used to dealing with New Age and uh, occult areas and so on, and they come in and minister there, and, and God's on the move. Um, we met one guy, and uh, Liz will be interested in this. He was reading uh, the book uh, Grace Outpouring for the seventh time. He was just so overwhelmed and wanting to get the message God had for him from that book about praying for the community where God had placed them. And uh, they were believing God for miracles. But Rob and Ricky wanted to send their greetings and particularly to those people that have linked lives with them uh, up there. Keep praying, God's at work. Um, In the night as I was uh, waiting on God because yesterday when uh, I got the call about this Uh, God said, yeah, go ahead and I'll give you the words. Well, the word that came in the night is tell the people God is real. And if you don't remember anything else I say this morning, just remember, almighty God is real. And that's been our journey of learning for Ruth and I over this last 12 months. It really is special when you've got time to just sit in God's presence and soak and listen to him and see what he'll teach you and then walk in what he teaches you. And that's been our experience over this last 12 months, but especially these last six weeks in Nimbin, um, as we sat each morning on the veranda and broke bread together and remembered Jesus um, and invited the Holy Spirit to come. Uh, It became a thin place if you know what I mean. Heaven and earth became close together and it was easy, easy to soak in God's presence and just let him speak into your life and show you things that you needed to see. And one of the things he showed me was that verse that I know and I can tick it off, you know, my sheep will hear my voice. And um, But God showed me that to hear God's voice wasn't dependent on how well I heard because he's the initiator. If I've got a heart to hear, he promises that he will speak loud enough. Um, there have been many other things that we've asked God to do in our lives over this last 12 months. We've asked God to teach us how to pray and what does that really mean um, as being part particularly not just for ourselves but um, in the whole body because I think so much of what God wants to teach us isn't just for me or for Ruth or for us together. Although this has been a special time to journey as a couple together, not just as two individuals. We've had time to do that and that's been rich. Um, But God wants to teach us. I'm sure that's part of it. He wants to teach all of us together some of the things about drawing close, to know that we're forgiven, um, to know that he loves us. And I was really challenged by Heidi Baker's book that said, um, really simple, the gospel is about loving God with all your heart and loving the next person he puts in front of you. And I think I've been a person in the busyness of business and other things who wanted to know, know about God, know lots about God, and I love God. But was I truly in love with him? Did I just love being in his presence and, and letting him minister to me, did I have time to listen to him or did I just rush in and said, well, this is what I've got for today, Lord. I hope you can, you know, get it quick. But to just stop and, and get to know God in a way that meant you were really being drawn into the heart of God and knowing what made his heart beat so that would make your heart beat. Um, the Lord's Prayer, for instance, became very different uh, because it's a, it's a prayer for us, it's not just for me, it's our Father, not my Father. But it talks about that the kingdom of heaven would come. Do we really pray that, believing, or is that just something for the future when we meet Jesus, or are we believing that for the now? I'm believing it for the now. Um, give us our daily bread, and I'm sure it's a bit like the manna, You only get it a day at a time and it really isn't just for you, it's for us. It's to pass on. What you get is to bless others as well. So there's been lots about um, learning to pray that um, 
God has been teaching us. Um, He's been growing our faith. And to know that God is real, when you see someone, and particularly someone in your own family, and my daughter down the back who we'd been living with, um, to see God miraculously heal her ankle, um, your faith just grows and you know God is real. And he's not just... um, Uh, a watered-down version of the God of the Bible. (laughs) You know, the God of Meshach, uh, um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, the God of Daniel, the God of the children of Israel, um, he's our God and he's able. And God's been growing our faith to believe that, that the miraculous ought to be the normal, not just something that's special and just very random. We ought to be walking in this all the time. God is such a resource for us as a church to step into. Um, And I think the other thing God's been teaching me to do, um, I talked about listening, but it's just to enjoy being in his presence um, and then out of that letting him change us and love others, the next person he puts in front of us. So I can't possibly talk about all the other things God's blessed us in, but just those things. God's been changing us and it's been a rich time. He's put together details. Um, uh, Liz up at the back will smile because she was part. God's just opened up an opportunity. We've just been to Nimbin to house it. Now we're off to Hurstbridge yesterday um, to stay in another home for, for a couple of months and now there's another one on the horizon. And, and God just puts details together in a way that's just amazing. And you could say it's coincidence, but we know it's not. God's real and he does it and he do, his timing is awesome. Yeah, thanks, Ollie. For those who don't know me, I'm uh, Ross Henson and I have the privilege to be the international director of an organisation called MMM. MMM, you may ask, stands for Mobile Mission Maintenance. Now, I've been in the job a couple of years almost now and Heather and I had the privilege to travel to Africa recently. We did around about four weeks in South Africa and another six weeks in Ndola in Zambia. Now, MMM has six centres around the world. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Thailand, South Africa, Zambia and Fiji. One of the wonderful things that Heather and I get to do is to actually travel to these centres and I could share with you probably hundreds of stories of God's goodness and his grace and his transformation in the lives of what we've seen. Even in this last trip, it is amazing to see how God uses and encourages us. But I want to concentrate on one story and that's Brian's story. By the way, if you are interested in hearing more stories, then invite Heather and I to one of your your small groups. We'd love to share a bit more. And it's some really, really good stories. I mean, this is a great story. You know, Brian's a, a, a champion guy. But it always hasn't been the case. So let me talk a little bit about Brian. Now, Brian is a staff member of MMM Zambia. He's been a staff member now since, well, this is his second stint, actually. 2012, Heather and I first met him. Um, you can see him there in a prayerful attitude. Now, that was just uh, towards the, the first week of August. And Heather and I had the opportunity to pray for every staff member in, in MMM Zambia. And that was a wonderful time. It was a blessing to us too. Isn't it amazing how you think you're going to go and encourage folk and encourage people and you often get more encouraged yourself? Because Brian actually prayed for Heather and I after, after we finished and it was an amazing prayer. We felt so blessed. So be encouraged. If God sends you somewhere, then he's got some real plans for you. Now, for Heather and I, we're home-based missionaries. We're full-time missionaries uh, sent by you guys, but we actually stay home and we get to travel every now and then. Um, Second slide, Matt. 
And the second one, Brian's a motor mechanic. And there he is in the back of the mobile mission maintenance bus in Zambia. Now, they bought that bus oh, about six or seven months ago. Now, on a recent trip, it had a blown head gasket and an overheated, and we had all sorts of problems with it. But Brian's not a qualified motor mechanic. He's actually what you'd call a bush mechanic. Uh, a number of years ago, he was actually a member of staff at the MMM Centre in Zambia, but he wasn't doing too well. He really struggled with a number of issues and areas in his life. Does that sound familiar? certainly sounds familiar to me. But Brian, uh, in fact, he was, he was let go from MMM by the previous management. And uh, about two years ago, early 2012, he was asked to come back. They really saw the potential in him. Now, if you go to the third slide, uh, it's a bit hard to see because all the faces are black. But there's Brian leading worship on the left-hand side. Now, this guy has been transformed. That hasn't happened overnight, but it's happened because of his focus on Jesus and the leading of the Holy Spirit. After 2012, when he went through a lot of struggles, and he's had some amazing struggles with family issues, he's, a, he's married with two children, but he's also responsible for his sister and his mother, and that means a lot of people, a lot of mouths to feed. Um, he's recently had to move house because the landlord has increased the rent and he couldn't afford it. So that was a real struggle for him too, but he's not phased. You see him in that prayerful attitude on the first slide and that's his attitude, surrendered to Jesus, which is amazing to see. So from 2012 to when we saw him just a few weeks ago, it's been an amazing transformation. But in the past, he struggled. When he was actually dismissed from MMM Zambia, there was a lot of shame attached to that and he was a broken man for some time. He was fearful and anxious about his future and the future of his family. He was immature in many ways. He was easily led by others. He wasn't attending the, the regular Bible studies or chapel services. He wasn't praying. Certainly wasn't, wasn't reading the word. But something happened. God actually challenged him and gripped him. And there was an amazing transformation. It reminds me a little bit. Uh, the next slide, if you could, Matt. Just thinking about some Bible passages that came to mind when I thought about Brian and Brian's circumstances and the difficulties and the trials that he's been through. And in, uh, Paul says in Romans 5, uh, verses 3 to 4, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. How good is that? What a promise that is for us. Uh, next one, Matt. And 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 6 to 7. I love this one. So listen. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It has been tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honour on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So Brian's a sort of man that has managed to overcome a lot of these difficulties and circumstances in life. One of the keys, and I asked him about this, one of the keys of his transformation is good people around him. They encouraged him. They were prepared to pray for him and to actually speak into his life and that was very important. He was supported at the MMM Centre by management. Just at the moment he's going through these problems with having to change uh, accommodation and given his value and his integrity as a staff member, they've actually offered him a short-term three-month stay on the centre 
which reflects really where he's come from. He's a very, very valuable member of staff. He's not a qualified mechanic yet, but he's decided to study and he goes to Mechanics for Africa now. So he's looking towards getting his actual qualifications in, in motor mechanics. So it's been an amazing transformation. So during the 10 weeks that Heather and I spent, we met some real people, difficult circumstances, but people who were prepared to praise the name of Jesus, to lift up his name, because they could see what he had done, the way their lives had been transformed. And that's what MMM does, transforms lives. Not because of what it does or who it works with, it's... Mottos are to serve those who serve and to build and empower people. We release other organisations and ministry to do what God has asked them to do. And we also build and empower people through our skills-based vocational training centre. And that's unique to Zambia. So it's amazing to see how God is using this ministry, but it all depends on Jesus. It's all about him anyway and the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's why we've got to be connected to Jesus and the Holy Spirit at all occasions. To pray, certainly. Prayer is the cornerstone of anything we do. We shouldn't be doing it without first checking on God, with God. The second is to read the Word. So much to learn. Brian learned so much in the process of being transformed. Number three, to get good people around you. People who you trust, people who are prepared to pray for you develop friendship. So have the courage to ask when you need help. And the last one, surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. He's the one that transforms lives. I can't do it. All I can do is to point you in his direction. So I'd like to finish with a couple of Bible passages. Uh, number, next one, Matt, thank you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 to 11. I think you ought to know this too. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and we will continue to and he will continue to rescue us and you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. And Heather, can I, Heather and I can testify to that. Um, in previous uh, mission service, we were held up at gunpoint and had to be evacuated. And it's, it's not easy. But when God asks us to do something, he equips us. And his promise to us was, I will bring you home. And he, and he kept that promise because I'm standing in front of you today. So I want to finish with Isaiah. Next one, Matt. Isaiah... Chapter 40, verse 31. You'll know this one, but listen again. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So be blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. Thank you. Graham Krigsman asked me a very long time ago to send photos from Greece to you guys so you could see some of the things that I was doing. And I thought, better late than never. You've got them here, a few. Um, so I just want to talk about a few of the things that God's been doing just, yeah, overseas, some of the different areas that I got an opportunity to um, see. Uh, this is from Uganda, some of these photos here. Um, this was at a little baby home in Uganda and um, that's one of the helpers there holding a little premature twin. I think it was like 40 babies and only four helpers. So 
it was just really hard to see, but um, they just had so much love for all of these children who didn't have anywhere else to go, and it was just a refuge for them to be. Um, was, <laughs> I have a lot of these photos. <laughs> and some more babies. Okay, Athens. Um, so after Uganda, I went to Greece, and it's actually a little bit hard to see, but this is just the city of Athens, and to see how large it is. Um, this is near one of my, one of the places I lived in Athens. So I don't know if you can quite see, but it's a pretty rundown building, and um, Syrian refugees lived here, and there's. But you can see there's just not really any utilities. They didn't have doors or windows, um, no electricity or water. So, um, HM, Hellenic Ministries in Greece, run a family camp for the refugee families. A lot of them aren't full families. They're more just kind of a... A lot of them are pretty separated from all their relatives, but... Um, I just helped out looking after the kids um, at the family camp there. And it was held here, which is Porto Astro, which is Hellenic Ministries' like camp facility. Um, so that was awesome to be able to share the gospel with people from very Muslim backgrounds and just let them hear the good news. Um, every Monday, we would have some love meals for the refugees and so I like it was kind of here's a picture but it's a bit of a sneaky one we weren't really supposed to take photos um and this is at our Christmas service and then this is the view from the building hence why I had that photo <laughs> um and so basically we would just have all the refugees coming in for a meal and we would just serve them and they would get to hear a message before they ate. Um, yeah, and again, that was just an awesome opportunity to be able to share Christ's love with them. Uh, here is a photo of an Orthodox church. So most of the Greeks in Greece are Orthodox, um, which is why we run Operation Joshua, where we distribute uh, New Testaments written in Greek. So... I'm assuming a lot of you have already heard about Operation Joshua, which I worked a lot on. Um, it's a little church again. So just before I go into that, when I was in Bible school in March, we were able to go down to the Peloponnese and visit um, some of the evangelical churches there, which was awesome because there's usually only maybe 10 or 15 people in the church, and we just had a chance to encourage them and bless them, and we usually like tripled the number of people in the church, and they were just so encouraged um, just to know that they weren't alone. They were very like isolated, and it was encouraging for us to just see how like sturdy they were in their faith and how much they were persevering, um, even in their kind of rural ruralness. <laughs> um, Oh, and just a bit more about Operation Joshua. I did a lot of like planning, helped out with a lot of the kind of admin with that. So I don't really have photos, um, unless you want to see a photo of the office. But I decided you probably wouldn't. I also don't have the photos. That's the moral of the story. Um, and this is the Gypsy School, and. Uh, that was awesome. They were like the naughtiest children I've ever met. Honestly, like so naughty, but like it was just really endearing at the same time. Plus, I couldn't understand half the things they, like the bad things they were saying to me in Greek anyways. So I just smiled like, okay, probably shouldn't be saying that. but um, And that was just, I, I loved them. They were very cute. And I think none of these photos are going to work. Like this morning they didn't. And I don't think I'm... Okay. So <laughs> what I wanted to talk about, um, there was a few other things that I was involved in which I also just don't have photos of. And one of them... Just a minute. 
multitasking. I'm going to put my clicker down. Okay. So one of the things I was able to be involved in this past summer in Greece was with NeoZoe, which was a um, an organization which worked with the... Keep the slide up, just uh, by the way, guys. Um, well, yeah, yeah, it's all good. And so it basically was an organization that was involved in visiting the brothels in Greece and just um, talking with the girls who had been trafficked and usually went there by their own will. Um, and I, not being able to speak a lot of Eastern European languages, would often just be kind of outside with a group praying for the people who went in. Um, but I got to this point in the summer, I think, probably especially with this specific ministry where it seemed like there was uh, very little hope because even though the girls may have a chance to get out, a lot of them would choose not to because the unknown was scarier than the known. Um, and there was just this like hopelessness and I was just like, God, this world just seems so dark and so sad. And I was just really struggling, I think, just to understand where God was in all of this. And um, I said this morning, I always, I always feel like I'm swearing when I say Habakkuk, but um, I was reading in Habakkuk, I think his name actually means delightful, so it's not a bad word. Um, but I was reading here one, one day, um, and he... Habakkuk is complaining to God, violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. And the Lord replies to Habakkuk, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. In verse 15 to 14, Has not the Lord of heaven's armies promised that the wealth of nations will turn to ashes? They work so hard, but all in vain. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. In verse 20, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And I was pretty silent after reading that. I was just like, wow. Um, just reminded that God is, is always working and even in ways we don't understand. And Habakkuk's response is, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren. Even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. And I just love that declaration of faith in God. Um, that God is abundantly good, even when we cannot see it. And now I've got a little... Oh, I've got to find it. This way? Nope. Where'd it go? Oh, good. Do I flick through it again? Just a recap. Here we go. Um, so you probably like, I don't know if I'm allowed to show you photos of me having fun whilst I was doing mission things. But um, this is a photo of me, Bungie, actually I'm taking the photo. This is a photo of Bungie jumping in the canal in Corinth. And I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to bungee jump. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I told my friends, who were all, they were very nervous, and I said, don't worry, guys, I'll go first. And I walked up to the edge, <laughs> and 
I looked down and I, my heart just dropped. I was like, like I started shaking. I could not, I was like, I, I don't know what, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> this is so stupid. And um, the guy counts down. Immediately once I'm on the edge, he starts going three, two, one, and I'm supposed to jump and I just freeze. And he's like, Jade, look, you're, you're paid for this. You don't get your money back if you don't do this. You, that's it. And he's like, I give you one more chance. So I'm like, okay. Okay. And I know, I know that there is a rope attached to me. And I know that nothing can happen. But I was still so scared. Anyways, I think I kind of blacked out a little bit and fell. I don't know if I actually jumped. <laughs> Anyways, that's not part of my, what I'm trying to say here is I think sometimes, you know, God's faithfulness is kind of like that rope. Like we know it's there and we know that he is good and that he is working, but we just cannot see it. And it makes it so hard to take that jump or that step of faith that he's asking us to take. Um, But I think one thing I've really, really learned is just that we are so secure in God and that he, you know, when everything else is stripped away, he is our home and our refuge and um, our security can be only in him because nothing else will satisfy. Um, yeah, I think that's all. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Ben. Um, I'm going to pray before I start because I still don't know what I'm going to talk about. Um, and Sam didn't tell me other people were using slideshows, so thanks. All right, let's pray. <laughs> Dear Lord, uh, we just thank you so much that all these stories that we've heard tonight and the stories that were told this morning were just completely of you Um, and it is only by your grace and your power that we have stuff to share about. So Lord, I just ask that you take this moment as well. Um, Lord, I am completely at your hands and and, uh, would you just use me um, and and just, just to share how amazing you are, Lord, in Jesus' name. Cool. All right. Um... So yeah, this year this year's been a bit of a journey for me. Uh, I before this year I'd spent four years as a volunteer, spent two years overseas as a missionary, and then two years back here as an intern at the church, and and uh, were amazing, amazing years. God just completely transformed my life in in huge ways. Um, yeah, now my mind's just gone blank again. Um, yeah, so I was, I was surrounded by people that were just so hungry after God and, and uh, just, yeah, we're all there together. You know, like everything that we did, it was to glorify God and, and we encouraged one another, we prayed uh, for and with one another, we read the Bible, did all these things together and it was just amazing. And um, then came back here and the exact same stuff, you know, like we at the church, just, just surrounded by people that are just passionate and uh, just love God. And it was amazing and I was so blessed uh, to have that opportunity and God just spoke into my life in, in huge ways. Uh, this year I've just been working full time, so I'm, I'm a brickie and um, yeah, not many people seeking after God uh, at my work. Um, and yeah, I really miss that, you know, like I, I, I struggled a lot this year because I spent the year, uh, sorry, before this year I decided that I didn't want to do any major ministries and just take this time to really recognise Christ in my life and this was a year where no one actually prepared ministry for me. So for the last four years, like I was in ministry, but everything was planned out. You know, I did what everyone told me to do, which is amazing. There's nothing wrong with that. But this year I wanted to seek God for myself and be like, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do um, rather than um, other people directing me in that? And um, so I'm just like, all right, well, I'll uh, just see what happens. And, you know, I've been a bricklayer. I started my apprenticeship eight years ago now. Um, so I've been bricking for a while. I don't like it, you know. It, it's it's a job. It's all right. I mean, I work in the rain. I work in the cold, and it's just not for me. And but um, it's it's what I do. Um, yeah, I was just really struggling this year because. Sorry, I'm just trying to think of where to go. Um, Because it was the first time that I had really come from that environment um, of just being surrounded by people who love God, 
to working in an environment where people are just there really to uh, live for the weekend. So they're working during the week so they can get their drugs or their alcohol for the weekend and, and the attitude of, of people, not everyone, but some people there are just like really bad. You know, you just got to... People sometimes rock up, rock up on time. Um, they sometimes take care of their work. Um, we, have about, we have a really big crew, um, about 16 of us, and maybe over half of them are, are apprentices. So it's really, really frustrating at times. No offence to apprentices, but you do my head in. Um, <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, you do. But, um, yeah, and I was just getting tested in, in completely different ways. Like, so for the last four years, I was tested in my faith and in my relationship with God. Now I was t- tested in my patience and my love and my care. I didn't have anyone beside me saying, come on, Blair, you know, seek God, seek God. That was all on my shoulders now. And... And I found that really, really hard. You know, my, my temper grew so much. Like I would throw things, I would be swearing, I'd just be yelling at the guys and um, I just couldn't understand what had changed, you know. I was just so hungry after God and just so hungry for showing his love uh, in these last four years. Like, but why is it so hard now for me to be in this work environment and not be able to do that? And I just spent so much time to try and think about that. Like, why is it so hard to see myself as a missionary in my own country, in my own job, rather than going overseas. Um, you know, and, and I wanted that because we hear that all the time from Stu. Like we're, we're all missionaries wherever we are. Wherever we are is exactly where God wants us, so if we're available to him, we will see miracles and awesome things. And, and, uh, but I just could not get to that place. And I was thinking about it, like, why is it so hard? And, and uh, so I, I thought about um, my previous ministries and, and what we would actually do to even prepare for that. And the first thing we did before we even came to the decision-making was pray. I'm like, oh, I don't even do that. I don't even pray for my own workmates. I don't even pray for my own work. When, I, when it comes to my attitude towards work, it's like, all right, I need to do this. I need to show God's love. I need to talk to them about Jesus because that's my role as a Christian and to tell them that sort of stuff. And uh, when you're working with a bunch of guys, I just couldn't care less. Like, I mean, it's not very effective. And so I'm like, all right, well, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to stop. You know, I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to dedicate it to prayer. Just every morning on the way to work, it's just prayer. Um, either uh, praying, podcasts, or worship. Those were the three things I would do. I will pray every morning, even before I got out of the car. And I started feeling something change inside myself. You know, it was just like I realized more and more that, you know, over the last four years, God had done huge things in my life, but. Um, the, I, I realised that I started to fall into a culture of Christianity and a culture of seeking God rather than actually seeking God on what he wanted to do. So my mind is going all over the place on where I could go, so just bear with me. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't know... I'm going blank. Anyway, I was going to start talking and hopefully something makes sense. Um, Thank you. Uh, what did I even say just before? Culture of Christianity. Don't know why I said that, but let's just go with that. Um, I felt like I was stuck in a culture of Christianity. I was really finding it hard to give it to God, uh, let God do the work through me, because I saw this need. I, had the, I, I really did in my heart want God to be glorified, but I didn't know how to just give that to God and let God do that through me. I saw a task, I saw people who didn't know God, I'm like, all right, let's do it, let's get to work, let's do it. I had done that for the whole four years um, of God really shaping me. And, and God still used that. I'm not trying to limit God. I'm saying God is so awesome that even though I had that attitude, still awesome things happen because of his power. And so now I'm here and I'm, I'm starting to see things differently that I, I don't actually have that power to convince them of God's love. I cannot show God's love to them. I don't have that ability. Only Christ can show his love through me to them. And it was just getting so refreshing to be able to realise that I don't have that ability. I don't have that power in my own strength, you know. But as long as I'm open to Christ, and that is where the strength comes from, Christ living inside of me will reflect out of my life for me abiding in Christ, that love will come through. Not that I, I can't force God's love on them. It just doesn't happen because myself gets in the way. I start seeing it as a task and I start putting, I, I guess I try to direct God, you know what I mean? And it just doesn't work. And so anyway, 
just awesome things started happening, just conversations that I didn't even start because I said that I'm not going to, like that was one of my things, is I'm not going to start a conversation about God. Like if God wants to use me, then God be at work. You know, I just want to be ready and I want to be available. And that was it. And so I had, I remember just once, uh, it started off with one conversation. One guy came up to me. I'm taking my flip-flops off because they're uncomfortable. And um, he just came up to me. He's like, oh, so, you know, what about this God stuff? I'm just like, what about this God stuff? He's like, well, tell me about it. And I think it was probably a two-hour conversation, and the end of it, he was just like, oh, I never thought about it. I'm like, all right, cool. And that was it. And I'm like, all right, well, that wasn't, you know, I thought a big uh, revival was going to happen then and there, but that didn't happen. So, yeah, all right, let's just, I don't want to keep pushing that. You know, Lord, it's still in your hands. If the conversation happens again, it happens again. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, So I walked away from that, and then another conversation started up with another guy. He's like, oh, do you ever think about the Greek gods? I'm like, oh, well, I went to Greece and I started sharing about that. He's like, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to get a tattoo about the Greek gods. I'm like, you know, it's Greek mythology, right? He's like, yeah, that's it. I'm like, you know, that's a myth, right? He's like, oh, that makes sense. Um, I'm like, good, good. And uh, and just uh, more and more questions started coming up, just random, just like that one, very random questions and they're only very small. But continually I'm just like, all right, Lord, you know, I'm starting to see something, but... Uh, and I don't know if what I'm doing is right, but all I can do is hope in you and, and just be available to you. More and more conversations started coming up and to the point where I started taking one of my workmates home um, from work because he didn't have a licence. And uh, he was like, oh, can I come to church one time? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, if you want to. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be cool, whatever, whatever. And uh, anyway, so I brought him along and, and I don't know, I've just been praying because I remember we spoke about a Bible study one time and I've been challenged so much in our Bible study lately but I got challenged because we were talking about how Paul was asking for boldness. Like, so Paul's this guy in, in the Bible um, and it's, we sort of look at him as the ultimate uh, evangelist, ultimate missionary, right? And he just got persecuted in such bad ways and yeah, really, really hard ways. And he was still asking for boldness. And to me, that blew my mind. It's like, well, dude, you are boldness, you know? You're the description of boldness. But I got really challenged with that because I don't, I don't pray for those things. I just be, pray for God, you know? Yeah, God, you can talk to them. And just sort of, sort of step back, but want to be involved, but I don't really, but I do. And uh, so I started praying for boldness and I took my mate home from work. And um, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know why, but I just got to feel I got to tell you, tell him my testimony. I did that. At the end of it, he's like, man, that's, that's, that's really awesome. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, what did you, what'd you like about it? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, okay. Um, we had a lot of these conversations. weren't really much happening. And we, we got here and I said, one of the biggest things uh, in my testimony was when I first came to church and, and I looked around, I could see different things in people's lives, and, uh, in their faces and their eyes, not their lives. I didn't know them. And... Um, and I just saw that they had something that I didn't know about. So that was a huge part to me, for me. And we rocked up at church here. I was like, oh, dude, I know this is going to be weird, but can I pray for you before he goes in? You're like, yeah, yeah, pray for me. I'm like, cool. So we prayed for him. I prayed for him, and we came in and sat down and don't know about any, much about the, uh, the message or anything, but we left pretty much straight away, and, and we were in the car, and he's like, you know, you know how you told me about when you first came to church and you saw people, something different in people's eyes and, and stuff? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I saw that. And I'm like, oh, man, that's so awesome, you know? Like, and I'm not even doing anything. Like, our conversations are so small. We're not talking about God, really. And um, so that happened. He came back a couple more times. And then he, um, he got uh, addicted to ice again. Uh, he was uh, a druggie for a while, quit asking so many questions about God, just really, just like, he, he would say to me, dude, I want God, I want him, but I just need to know more. And, and then... He got back on ice, his work ethic went really down and he got fired and I haven't seen him since. Um, and it's just really hard, you know, because it's like this whole thing is like I was struggling because I want God to be glorified and I'm seeing this awesome fruit that God is doing, barely using me, but I'm seeing it right in front of my eyes, getting so excited and it's gone. And I was like, what is, what is up with that? You know, I was like, so close. It's happened probably three, two or three other times with, with other mates, you know, workmates, about really excited, either drugs or, or girls or whatever, just turn them away at the last minute. And it's like, man, that is so hard, you know, like, 
all I want is, is for God to use me. And I think I, another conversation we had at Bible study was um, all God really calls us to do is just to be available to him, right? And so all we're doing is just planting seeds, planting seeds in people's lives, but we don't actually get to choose who we plant seeds to. All we can do is just plant the seeds and then God is at work. And, and that was just such an awesome wake-up call for me and just so humbling to realise that, yeah, man, I can't, I can't show God's love. Uh, you know, and even if they do get a glimpse of it, I can't grow that seed. That seed is planted and then all I can do is just be like, all right, Lord, you, you are Lord, you are God and, and let your will be done. And so I still pray for them, you know, like, yeah, let that, let that seed grow. Um, but yeah, that's all I can do and, and it's so rewarding to know this is not my job. This is not my responsibility. My responsibility is only to be available to Christ and seek Christ and seek his will and, and then he has everything else in his hands and I'm so, so thankful for that. And even though I don't see the fruit that I want to see, God's so much bigger than what I can see. Um, yeah, sorry that was really all over the place um, but that's what's happening to me. Cool. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.